Yeah, so for the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about um, some religious language that may have lost its meaning. So you may or may not use this terminology. Maybe you've used it in the past. Um, and even if you're coming at this conversation from a non-religious background, the terms that we're talking about, I think, have a prevalent enough place that you'll likely have heard them before, yep. have been able to assume what people mean by them. The hope here isn't to say, look at all these misused and meaningless words. Man, <laughs> Christianity is, or <laughs> Christianese is Thumbs the worst. Down. No, 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 Ooh, no. no. I, think, I think your drive is to be much more redemptive. Here. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's actually to capture some of the hope um, that these words may still have within them and to move in the direction of redeeming language instead of just judging it. Similar to the process of giving up false beliefs, which mm -hmm. we talked through during Lent, mm -hmm. the hope here is to reframe the intent of this messaging so that it can feel more meaningful and less harmful when you inevitably come across it. Uh, but we sent out a survey a couple weeks ago where you could write in some examples of these terms, and they have been magically compiled to the power of technology mm, into a nice word cloud. cloud. Mm. And there's more. You can add to it right now. If right now, Haley? Do you mean they can follow the QR code on the screen at this very yes. moment and add to it in real time? You bet. Man, that's pretty cool. <laughs> So if, you, if something comes to mind, or even as you're reading these words, you're like, oh yeah, wait, what about this one? Um, feel free to follow that code and add to it. Um, but Vince, do you want to share yeah. some of the words that are up yeah, here? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you'll notice with, for the word cloud, so things that appeared more often are larger. Um, so right in the center, I see God has a plan, which is, I think, what we're going to talk about today, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, there is uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. Uh, there is the word biblical. Um, I, I put that one in, so I'm, I'm one of the <laughs> reasons that one is bigger. Uh, and then there are lots more. Oh, and yep, and here it goes. It's actively changing, I think, on the fly here um, uh, as people add new ones. Um, ooh, purity, yep, purity is a big one. Saved, I see, is in there. Um, that is getting larger. Um, and then, yeah, there's all, I think, uh, even some of the ones that I think are on the outskirts are kind of connected to some of the ones that are more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it kind of depends on the phrasing. Um, but yeah, uh, what we'll do is we'll leave this, uh, we'll leave this open um, for a little while, and then maybe we can, maybe we can come back to it towards the end yeah. of the service. If you have more to add, uh, do so, and, uh, and that will help us as we go forward. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Um, so I think for me, it's really easy to be super cynical when reading these words. Sure, And to sure. not just judge the wording, but also start to judge um, those who use these terms to manipulate people. I think that's when it gets the trickiest. Yeah. Um, but what I'm realizing is that we can hold frustration with words feeling empty or meaningless or used against people while also remembering that words are really just people's best guesses about mm. how to navigate things in life. Mm. It's the best thing that they can come up with to navigate a relationship with God, to navigate a relationship with other people. And so maybe they're not entirely accurate or don't feel entirely true, but it's someone sitting down and trying to sort out what does it even mean to be following Jesus. And here, the intent doesn't cancel out the impact, but I think that starting with intent may help us be able to draw some meaning out of what is being said. I think that's a really good point. Certainly, there are situations, um, probably that several of us in um, Brownline Church's orbit can recall that uh, that have some sort of um, uh, 
uh, maybe like a power was involved. And so the, the communication of something wasn't just like a, oh, you know, that's, that's your best guess. That was like, you need to believe this, and mm -hmm. that really hurt somebody. I think, I think we probably have some of those um, uh, examples in our mind, but there's also plenty of examples where I think you're right, it, there isn't a malintent involved. Um, there is something, there is some good thing that's mm -hmm. being um, grasped at, and this you know, language as imperfect as is, this is the best try. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's coming from a good place. Um, it's worth us considering those examples in our mind as well. Um, so you, today, the goal is to talk about the God as a plan. The one that yes. we saw, at least in our initial surveying was one of the, one of the, the, the highest, uh, <laughs> the yeah. most, most, uh, uh, mentioned, um, religious language that's lost its meaning. So what if we talk about maybe the, um, if we give it, uh, give it the benefit of the doubt. What's the intent behind God has a plan when we do hear that from folks who don't have a malintent? Yeah, I think God has a plan or it's all a part of God's plan is really meant to be a form of reassurance. Hmm. It's supposed to be comforting. Mm -hmm. uh, verses are often quoted, like I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and not to harm you. Or scripture that talks about God directing our paths. Uh, God makes all things work together for our good, yeah. things like this. Um, this idea of a set in place divine narrative is meant to be reassuring. It's meant to be like a safety net of sorts that God's plan is an inevitable unfolding of events. And for many in times of great suffering, the hope of God having a plan has been really anchoring and meaningful. Sure. And I don't want to demean that at sure. all. Um, the core of telling yourself or telling someone else that God has a plan for their lives is really meant to be a reassurance that things are going to be okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what about the flip of this? What, um, I think if we, you know, we're trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, but there are experiences, no doubt, um, that we have all had where God has a plan. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest mm -hmm. things on our word cloud. So this is often spoken in ways that hurt. Yes. Um, well, uh, tell us more. Yeah. I think for me, the turning point with this terminology is suffering. Right. Yeah. Because if this is all God's plan, then God must have planned out suffering. Yeah. Like that's the logical conclusion that you have to come to. And so when we start tossing around language, like God has a plan for your life or God's ways are above our ways in the midst of someone else's suffering, or if we start to tell ourselves that as we're suffering, one, we make God the source of pain. And two, I think we maybe unintentionally invalidate struggles for the sake of the greater narrative. Yeah. Like, don't worry about what's going on now. This, um, there's a greater purpose at hand. This is designed to teach you something um, or draw you closer to God, whatever it may be. But for me, that becomes a really just not trustworthy picture of God. And what's meant to be a source of hope actually leads us to be quite hopeless in yeah. the moment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I can't help but think about when I hear the phrase, the greater good, I'm going to make a reference to a random, uh, uh, ridiculous uh, comedy that was a, um, a, a Shaun of the Dead. Uh, does anybody remember the greater good in that movie? Um, and uh, the, 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 the joke of the movie or the, the poking at that, uh, that phrase is uh, that you can justify anything um, for the greater good. You can even justify really uh, horrible, violent acts. And, um, and I think when we do that with God, when that's our picture of God, I mean, it really tears down confidence mm -hmm. in the idea that there can be a God that is good. Yeah. So I, I completely understand that. 
Yeah. yeah. Do you have um, some more examples here of when it's all God's plan or God having a plan feels more harmful than helpful? Sure. Well, I mean, you you uh, you connected what we're doing over the next several weeks to what our church did back in Lent, mm-hmm. um, and uh, one of the weeks of Lent, um, we came at this same kind of idea from a slightly different angle, and I shared that week. Um, uh, a story of friends uh, who, uh, a couple who had a miscarriage and they were in a religious environment and a lot of the language that came toward them was language like, well, God must have a plan, um, that you don't know the reason for the suffering, but someday you will. Um, that, was, that was a lot of what was leveled at them. Now, I wasn't in their head, so I don't, um, I don't know how that experience, them, uh, that, that experience was for them. But for me, it all, I just I remember feeling like this is not good enough. Like that kind of phrasing is not good enough. That um, it it it, uh, it absolutely like connects back to my own experience of I lost my mom to cancer when I was 15 years old, and those um, those uh, reasonings for like how can I live in how can I put one foot in front of the other in a world where cancer exists and you know somebody as close to me as my mother could die at, at such a young age and and. Um, God must have a plan wasn't good enough for me. And so I just remember being put back in that place when I saw my friends. Um, I mean, polling in America, like about, um, about faith and about uh, re- um, religious identification suggests that how can there be a loving God when there is such horrible suffering in the world is the number one reason people leave faith. Mm-hmm. That's the number one reason. So I guess it's not surprising that if we try to ask our community, you know, just a, a sample size about what are, the, what are the phrases that most have, you know, have lost meaning for you, God has a plan being up there on the top. I mean, yeah. that makes sense because uh, apparently that's what that's what polling in America holds or, or, or uh, shows to be true across the board. Yeah, yeah, and I think that responding to this can be very event driven. Um, that when we see it happen, something specific happens, and that becomes people's reasoning to help you through it, some type of reassurance. Um, we can see it play out that way, and I think. At least I grew up with this kind of general sense of there has to be one plan that God has mm. for my life, um, and I have I can't stray from that. Like there's one, the will of God has one thing laid out for my life, and I'm either making right choices or making wrong choices that align with that plan. I'm imagining door imagery, like like all, all the kind of like. Um, messages of like, well, one, uh, this door closed, but that's because the other door you need yeah. to go through or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's very, there's one door. It's a lot of control. Mm. Um, or even I think about the, like when you're using Google maps or whatever it may be to get somewhere. And instead of rerouting and giving you a better way to get there, if you make a wrong turn, it just keeps telling you like at the next intersection, make a U-turn, make a U-turn, make a U-turn. <laughs> you have Not to go that Not that this way. has ever happened to me. But <laughs> There's like no other have, way back. Yeah, you have to go one way. Um, I actually, a story with this in college, I got a compass tattoo and it was very much a trend at the time. I didn't, I You're actually so cool. had to like, Play. tattoos, man. I You're had so to cool. go back and find a meaning for it so that when people asked me why I got it, I could say, this is why. Ah. And of course, I went to scripture um, and found this verse in Isaiah that says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Hmm. And if you look at that verse, I think at the time I thought, Man, if I'm listening so intently, I'm going to hear the voice of God saying, okay, now this way, okay, now this way, okay, now this way. And that was going to be the plan for my life unfolding. Mm. But reassurance, not, yes. like you said, reassurance. Yeah, yeah. That there's reassurance that that voice will be right there. 
But now I'm thinking about it in the terms of regardless of where you turn, regardless of where you go, there's a voice of reassurance with you mm. that it's not contingent on making the right turns or doing, going through the right door, whatever it yeah. may be, that that, um, that reassurance is present with you no matter what. I love that. That's sort of, so that's kind of an encapsulation of what you want to do for us, right? With, yes. with this, with this phrase, God is a plan is, is there a way that I can sort of like you reimagine, I guess, because it's a tattoo now, so you're stuck with it. I gotta uh, do something. You gotta I think of something. Um, if in the ways that this, you know, has been tattooed on our culture or tattooed on our life, mm-hmm. how can we re-understand God has a plan? Yeah. And I think that we, when we start with the word plan, and attribute it to God, there's this automatic assumption that it's solidified and unchanging. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But this week, I've been thinking about how often our plans change. They change because they have to. They change because things aren't working out. We make a new plan when things feel not as fulfilling as we hoped for. That a plan is really just our best intention for navigating life. Like I may have the best intention for accomplishing 12 things in a day, and I might get to two. And I think that 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 need for plans to change is what we come up against with this. Um, and for me, for, so for today, if this was Sesame Street, Elmo or somebody would tell us today's message is sponsored by the letter P <laughs> because we're going to use a lot of alliteration. Okay, excellent. Um, but since the word plan has some limitations, I think that when we think of God's plan, it's some weird like plan and promise intertwining. Hmm. And when we embrace this plan or promise, it's not a set course of events for our life. Um, It's actually, get ready for this, sponsored by the letter P. We're going to talk about presence, partnering with God, and being in process. Okay, presence, partnering, and process. Yes. I like that. And And essentially, you're telling us the way that we tend to think about plans in our own everyday life as human beings, where you make a plan, you know, of like 12 things and then you only get two done and you, and you adjust and you yep. course correct along the way. You're arguing that that's how God operates actually with plans too. And that can be more freeing for us if we can see yes. that. I like that it. God accompanies us within that. I like it. I like it. Okay. So God, uh, presence, that's presence. your first one. Tell us more. So I think this reassurance that's behind the idea of it's all in God's plan is actually better found in being more aware of the unwavering presence of God. So it goes from a focus on plan to a focus on presence. Because when a plan doesn't come to fruition or suffering is taking place, if it feels like a plan has failed, if we focus on the presence of God, God's character is not in question. Mm -hmm. So when things don't go to plan, God is still present. And so instead of saying um, it's all God's plan, instead we can say God is present in all things. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. It's all God's plan to God is present in all things, that things can still grow and bloom and new hope can be found even in awful situations and circumstances and even as things change and shift. Um, I think of, when I think of really experiencing the presence of God in a season where I didn't know what my plans were, I was at this retreat and they were offering spiritual direction sessions, which kind of similar to therapy, a lot more intentional listening and silence involved. Um, And I really was at this stage where I had no idea what I was doing, which I think is just a permanent stage. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't know what I was doing at all. And it felt like things were kind of falling apart at the time. And I had this spiritual direction session with a woman I had never met. um, And she... I've told pieces of the story before, but um, during the session, 
I was getting really frustrated and upset with like, I don't know what God's plan is and I can't Mm -hmm. see God in the midst of these circumstances. And she said something that's forever changed me and said, even when you feel like you are in a tomb-like place, Jesus is resurrected, but Jesus can be back in that place with you. Mm. That the presence of God can be sustained in all places and in all circumstances. That to have this like resurrected, victorious savior that doesn't cancel out God's presence in all of the places that feel like graves and tombs and emptiness. Mm. And so for me, thinking about the presence of God over a plan from God is embracing that way that the presence just feels almost so tangible and with you and comforting, that that reassurance is so much more powerful when we let God back into all the places that we've said like, oh, this wasn't a part of the plan. Like this is the plan falling apart. This feels really empty. This feels like a tomb-like space that Jesus can enter back into that. Well, and it sort of feels, again, if we're using our own um, best instincts about how how we might plan something, and then we just you know assume that like God is a better planner than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like how how often are we in a situation where um, we have made a plan? It fails, and then the the great moment of insight, the thing that really turned things around, was not that we you know unwaveringly went back to what we originally planned, but it was that we creatively came up with something new. Yes. And, uh, and, and that idea, um, I, th- I, I just think that that's, that's so, so important, especially when you're in tomb-like places, mm-hmm. because it, is, uh, it adds injury to insult when you are, or insult to injury, mm-hmm. when you are in a, uh, a difficult space, the plans as you originally made them are not working, and then your only course of, uh, of, uh, of action or the only encouragements coming at you are to y- U-turn and go back and, you know, and, and, and do, do, the same, do the same path. Um, I just think that the, this speaks to the idea that God is, is present um, is, is uh, offering a, a new uh, course of action, not just a U-turn, no matter where you are, uh, makes God out to be a better planner than mm-hmm. maybe the um, that assumption of the, of the idea that like you know God's plan because it's God's plan is like firm and you know unchanging and never going to adjust. Um, I like this idea of God's plan being dynamic and God's plan being responsive to the moment and God's plan um, being uh, not something that's so inflexible and um, I don't know it, it almost feels fragile if we t- like it it doesn't seem strong at all mm-hmm. when we talk about God's plan that way. It feels like if I if I accidentally tip you know bump it it will break apart. That doesn't feel strong. That doesn't feel reassuring at all. Yeah. And this ties really well into actually seeing God as partnering with us Mm -hmm, too. mm -hmm. So there's your second P. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because this, um, this idea that God is actively with us as things unfold, um, that God is dreaming alongside of us, new dreams, mourning and grieving things that didn't come to be, um, this idea of creatively looking ahead instead of trying to go back or Mm -hmm. trying to fit into an old norm. I think in some ways we're all doing that with the pandemic right now of um, needing to have an active God that is alongside of us. It closes the distance between God and us that there isn't this distant puppet master God that has everything planned out and we're just kind of going along with it. Um, but that there's a redemptive God alongside of us as we navigate what's actively happening. And that God isn't just found um, when things come to be, yeah. but it's present in what actively is right now. Yeah. That when things fall apart and come together in new ways, like God's partnership isn't just preserved for things going well. And I think that that's something I used to hold to is like, 
oh, if if things are going the way I want them to be, it's a sign that I'm following that God's you're plan. Blessed for my by God, life. yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and that's when we see God as a partner in this. It's not just a partner that's reserved for the good. Yeah. It's for all of the navigating of those times where you may feel like you're letting yourself down or you're letting other people's down, other people down. You're in a space of shame because you don't, you have things that aren't what you want them to be yet that God is with, with you as you're experiencing that as a partner. I think if we are taking this idea of, um, God's plan, um, something like, um, Jesus's, um, the Beatitudes in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount make more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Beatitudes, perhaps you're familiar, are like, um, blessed are the, the poor. Blessed are you when people hate you. Blessed are, well, um, help me out, what are the other ones? Blessed are you when... You're persecuted. When you're persecuted, um, yeah, yeah like blessed. Are, so it's like all of these like things that are like that suck, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and blessed are you when things suck, and and I think that um, on the terms of like God has an unchanging like perfect plan that um, is determined since the beginning of time, and you know it's it's just up to you to you know stay on the right path and not turn to the left or to the right, and then you'll be on that pa- pl- uh, on that path uh, in that plan. The Beatitudes don't make sense. But if we're taking the sense of like, well, God's plan is that sort of dynamic presence bringing thing, partnering thing in the moment as needed for what ends up happening, then they make sense because Mm -hmm. we might have our, we might find that against all evidence, I can have the presence of God. I, I can be blessed, um, and uh, and and so that, uh, it just seems like that uh, that feels more consistent with the way that Jesus taught about God. Uh, this idea, but boy, I mean, like we've, I, I, how many of us have had teachings that uh, divorce those two things? That um, maybe we're we're supposed to follow the Beatitudes because they're like I don't know, they're a moral code, and we're supposed to be, you know, we're you, you better, you know, you better remember that that uh, blessed are the poor, uh, rather than seeing that as oh, when I am um, persecuted, when I am poor, when I am um, uh, when, when I'm hated by others, um, I can have the presence of God with me. Um, that. That that's just a it's just a very different uh, way into those teachings. Yeah, I'm even now I'm thinking about how event focused, and we've talked about this before, but how there's almost like this course of your life that gets played out by culture of like this is what school you're supposed to yeah. go to and what job you're supposed to go to, and um, when we think of God's plan in that way, it's so limited and it mm-hmm. becomes either succeeding or failing. Like mm-hmm. those are the only two options. And God's plan is sort of like the the religious version of the American dream or yes. something. Yeah. Like it's either my fault that things aren't coming to be, or it's God's fault that like I can shift the blame either uh, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right. You, I mean, how many of us get stuck in a place of of, uh, of anger at God because this was the plan mm-hmm. and that plan failed me. And so I can either be angry at myself or I can be angry at God. Like I don't blame people for feeling angry at God because yeah. it's really hard to just, you know, decide that that's all on you. But perhaps even that is falling victim to an assumption about how God's plans work mm-hmm. that we don't have to believe. It, it sounds like there's another option yeah. here. And it feels like for me, at least the idea of the presence of God and partnership with God transcend this very event-driven natural course of things with life. Yes, um, yeah. They, they're they not so contingent on the specifics of what's going on in your life. It's just a given, and that's so much more meaningful. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. All right, you have one more P for us. Yes, 
The last one is process. And this is kind of your thing right now. Oh, so yeah. Vince, I'd love to hear your thoughts around what it looks like to view God's plan through a process through pro- lens. Yeah, yeah. So pro- a process point of view is not, it's not, process is not just another useful P word, I'll <laughs> say. Uh, it's, a, it's actually a particular school of thought within the Christian tradition and other religious traditions uh, that I've been really helped by. And so that, that's, the, uh, and Haley hears me talk about it to no end lately <laughs> because it's just so helpful to me. Um, but one of the key features of um, understanding God's plan or, uh, or God and life as processes, um, one of the key features in that is um, that it, it, it's evoked by this word process, that life is unfolding. It is in process. It's not finished. The future is not settled and predetermined. It's open. It, it could be anything, right? There are lots of possibilities out there. And God is with us in the experience of that flow of time where there's all these possibilities. The idea here is God is not outside of time. God is with us in that. It's very, very Jesus-y in that sense of like, God is right there next to you. I, I think of like Jesus's reassurance to the disciples of I will not not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This idea that by uh, God's spirit, we are not alone as we look out ahead at the unfolding of this open future that we we don't know what's going to happen. It's not predetermined, uh, but God is with us there. And so if that's the sense of, um, of what it means that um, God, God's plan is to be in the process with us, well then, uh, from this point of view, a predetermined plan would actually belittle God because it would be like, well, you know, like you make some predetermined plan and then, you know, like, like, oh, I'm, I'm following all the steps of the American dream. Why, you know, because I graduated in 2008, couldn't I find a job when I graduated? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because predetermined plans will let you down. They are, they, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're cheap. They're they're sales pitches. They're 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 not something that it, uh, that carries with it care and devotion and love and faithfulness because they're static and they can't and they can't adjust and 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 react in the moment. And so uh, on the reverse of this would be the idea that God's knowledge or or wisdom as a planner uh, is it's actually more impressive if uh, if uh, if God sees all potential possibilities. So it's not like God just sees that predetermined plan and everything else and it's just blinders toward that predetermined plan. And so if we can, if we can see the same predetermined plan, boy, we'll be with God and we'll be blessed. Rather, this actually, I think, makes God's, like, it, it, it doesn't belittle God. It makes God, like, so incredibly worthy of, like, listening to. Because God, what, what God sees is not a predetermined plan, but every possibility that could happen before me in this moment. And, you know, you think about, like, all of the factors that lead into every moment mm-hmm. in your life and in the person's next to you life and in the life of our city and the life of our country and the life of our world. I mean, like, it, is, it, it suddenly becomes unfathomable to even think about, like, all of the different choice points, all of the different things that could happen that could change the course of your life or the person next to you or our whole world. And God can hold every one of those possibilities in God's view. And God is a trustworthy companion and a trustworthy guide because God can hold all of that complexity and possibility. And from that point of view, it's like God as a planner is it, it, amazing, you know, mm-hmm. yes, because, because how, and again, uh, to go back to our own instincts about the best plans, the best plans we make as human beings are flexible and mm-hmm. they change as we go. And this presents God as that master planner who is able to adjust and tweak as we go. Uh, so that, that's what I love about like the things are in process view. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I listened to an episode of a podcast, um, Homebrewed Christianity, and it was called Flowing with the Living God. Okay. Um, Donna, is it Bowman? Bowman, yeah. Bowman. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about how, she was, she's a professor, and she's talking about how a source of hope for one of her students was not being aligned to something eternal, but being in the flow of something that is ongoing, mm. moving, growing, mm. changing, and becoming more. And mm. I thought that was so powerful. Mm. Um, and for her personally, what kind of unlocked this idea of a process theology that you're talking about now, um, hearing from a professor of hers that what if knowing the future is a logical impossibility because mm-hmm. the future is not yet. Mm-hmm. And he was saying um, that making a circular square is a logical impossibility. And we don't think that God is any less powerful because God can't make a circular square. Sure, yes. And so in that line of logic, if the future um, that we are writing is open and not yet determined, it doesn't it's make... It's in process, yeah. It's in process. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. make God any less powerful um, to not know because there's so many possibilities out there. Yeah. And I, th- I love this idea of a graceful God that we are flowing with yep. rather than a distant God who has control over all plans. Yeah, and again, like I think from my, from the view I'm suggesting, like, I think it actually makes God more powerful to have a God that can see all the possibilities and not just mm-hmm. one-way highway that is the predetermined plan. That actually limits God's uh, perspective and God's view. I see God as much more trustworthy and much more worthy of listening to when God's sees all the possibilities in the flow of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think um, when we do hear words like, it's all God's plan or God has a plan for your life, it gives us an opportunity to pause and to remind ourselves that um, my suffering and things not going as I hoped they would go isn't a plan designed by God to teach me something. That suffering is not designed by God to teach us something. And that God's actual plan slash promise, whatever we want to call it, is to be present with me and to partner with me. I think that that's, those are really comforting reminders because it's inevitable that this language is going to come up. Yeah, so I think uh, in, in preparation, you said something really profound to me um, as we were thinking about this Sunday that um, some of the things that we're going to talk about, whether it's God has a plan or some other language that will come up over the course of these few weeks, some of them, I think maybe there's some hope for us because we can, we can find ourselves using these phrasings, but like meaning something different mm-hmm. than we used to, and that can be really powerful. Other times, maybe it's, that's actually not the case, um, that maybe we don't need to come back to this. It's okay for us to you know, let it sleep and not return to it. But like you're saying, like we are going to be around other human beings. We're going to be around other expressions of faith. And these sorts of phrases, the reason they have become things that have lost their meaning is because they're so ubiquitous. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. What do we do if we're somebody who, whether it's God as a plan or something else, we're in that place where that's harmful to us. We need to leave it alone, but it's coming at us. Yeah. What, what do we do there? Yeah. And I wonder if we could put up on the yeah. screen yeah. the words that have come in too, mm-hmm. just because I think this is a general reminder. It's not unique to this particular one, um, but there's a lot that we can look at with this. Wow. Oh, yeah. there's really good ones here. This is really good. Um, my husband, Andy, and I, in our premarital counseling, did this exercise where the person who was leading us through it said, I want you to think about things from your family of origin that you want to take with you into this next stage of life and Mm. things that you want to leave behind. Mm. 
And it's going to be different for everybody. So I think as we're looking at these wordings, some of them may still feel comfortable. Some of them have never felt comfortable. And it's going to be an individual process, like you're saying, of what, what am I going to bring with me? And what do I need to leave behind yeah. for the sake of my own spiritual health, for the sake of being um, just a thoughtful person to other people who are navigating their spiritual health? Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to reimagine and look at the intent and the hope behind this, that like clinging to that reassurance, maybe you would have the capacity if you're encountering someone who's telling you, well, it's all in God's plan. Maybe you would have the capacity to, to help reframe that for that person, mm-hmm. to help say, actually, I've started to see this a little bit differently, or those words don't really feel hopeful to me, but I know that God is present with me. I know God is partnering with me. Mm. Um, and even that, I, I like that, I like that phrasing because it begins with, that doesn't, that doesn't feel hopeful to me, but that honors the desire for somebody else to try to give you hope. And that, yeah. that, because that's a worthwhile desire. It is. Yeah. It really is. And sometimes that might not be possible. Sometimes mm-hmm. with some of these words, it's, there's, you just can't there's go there. There's too much hurt. There's yeah. too much there. Yeah. Um, but that's why we do this in community. Because yeah. what feels particularly hurtful and harmful for us may not be what feels particularly hurtful and harmful for the people next to us. Mm. Um, and we can help kind of carry that with one another. Certainly as we become more aware of, um, the different, um, triggering phrases or words, uh, of each other, um, in our communities as we're all kind of, you know, piecing together our spiritual stories, um, that's a place where we can run interference for each other. Mm. Right. You know, like I, 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 I can think of uh, a, a sort of a recent interaction, actually, where um, talking with somebody, uh, where somebody was you know, kind of like bringing up another uh, religious platitude or even American-y platitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I knew that uh, the third person in our conversation was, um, might have some feelings about that. And I tried to run interference there. And, um, and, and that was valuable, I think, because I had a vulnerable enough connection with this other person um, that we could... We could we could be there for each other and and not yeah. just leave each other to fend for ourselves, um, but I do I do love as a as a vision for um, a, a takeaway for for these few Sundays that we're talking about religious language that's lost its meaning. I love the idea of a takeaway being that each of us can come out a bit more. Um, I'm not sure what the word is. Um, confident or. Uh, Maybe that's not the right word. Uh, settled, okay, um, content, peaceful with uh, with how you are making sense of your faith or how you are making sense of these phrasings. Because again, you will the wires will get tripped. Mm-hmm. Somebody will say something that strikes you as insensitive, or not just insensitive to a friend, but insensitive to you. And if we can be at a place where where we can receive that and not fire back or mm-hmm. not, you know, uh, react with, um, with, like, with, with bile, you know, react with, like, a, a desire to, like, extract revenge or hurt their feelings, but rather do that sort of thing that you did was sort of honor the intent of, like, boy, I, I, I hear that you're trying to bring hope. Let me tell you why this doesn't bring hope to me. You know, can we do that in a way that doesn't betray our values? I, I think that would be really, really yeah. powerful to, to, for all of us to get closer to that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, would you pray for us, Haley? I think this is a good spot for prayer. Sounds good. So as we um, pray together, I'd love for you to bring to mind something that is currently in process in your life. Maybe plans that have shifted or fallen apart, something new that is coming to be that you've hoped for. And you take a moment to just invite God 
into the process with you. I believe God's already there, but sometimes it can be helpful for us to imagine inviting Jesus into the process with you. And would you pray with me? Jesus, would you increase our awareness of your presence even now? God, as we breathe, as we take a moment to be still, and as we look at the things that are unfolding in our lives, things that are in process, things that are open, would that openness and the full range of possibilities be an encouragement, not a source of fear? Would the process be a place of hope? And I'd invite you now to even just hold your hands open in front of you as a physical and a visual reminder that there is and can be and will always be some sense of openness in your life, that you are not held captive by this predetermined plan that either sets you on the right course or the wrong course, that sets you up as succeeding or failing in all of the nuance and all of the unfolding and all of the openness, there is a God who is present with us. And would we be reminded of the steady presence of God as the things that are not yet come to be. Amen.